warning. What you are about to hear is a really loud Catholic dude. After all, he ain't called the Forte Catholic for nothing. So relax your grip on the steering wheel. Pull your headphones away ever so slightly. Secure any loose articles and muffle Junior's ears because it's time to make Catholicism fun again on the Forte Catholic Show with Taylor Schroll on Red Sea Catholic Radio. What's up, girl host? It's Alice. Girl host. Girl host. Girl host. I kind of like it. It's 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 one of those things that uh, I'll answer to girl host. To girl host. That's good. That's your, maybe that's your new nickname. I'm going <laughs> to call fine. you that outside of here as well. What's up, girl host? How are you? I like it. It was funny. There was a uh, uh, our friend Katie Praise Armor Grady who was on last week. Yes. Uh, she tweeted out uh, kind of making fun of like, how everybody and their mom has a podcast now, mm, but mm-hmm. how most podcasts. Are, she was like. Hello, we're just a couple of bros talking about faith, and we're not smart, but we're just real. And she was like, none of you are... Uh, uh, she was like, and trying to be funny. And I was yeah. like, I would have taken it personally, but I am funny. <laughs> <laughs> and... I don't know. I feel like my toes are getting stepped on over here. I also <laughs> would be would have taken it personally as well. Three out of the four weeks, it is bros. It is bros. But once a month, you come in here and you fix And I show. just mix it all up. <laughs> So thank you. I just take you out of the stereotype. You're welcome. You are the reason Katie Prejean McGrady is not mad at me. <laughs> thank you so much. That's that's what you do for me. I'm very excited about it. It was an interesting week, Miss Sullivan. It was. Yeah. Do tell. Uh, so people who have been listening over the last few weeks know that I am doing multiple people's jobs. <laughs> I am indeed doing the show. I'm traveling. Uh, I'm speaking, doing music stuff for Forte Catholic. I'm also doing my regular job at Ablaze Ministries. I'm also the campus minister at our Catholic school. So NBD. Right. <laughs> that took me a second to figure out what it was because I'm very tired. I went to sleep at 1.30. I love stumping you with millennial stuff. That never happens. All I can think about is trees, which is actually a perfect segue <laughs> into one of the weirdest things that happened this week. Okay. It involves tree stumps. <laughs> And you didn't even mean to do that, which is beautiful and why everyone loves you. Yeah. Okay. So there was a lightning storm here in Bryan College Station. Were you here? I, and Yes. True. It there was. It was wild. So uh, where were you when the lightning storm struck? I was, I was doing dishes and rain started coming in sideways and the lightning was so loud, I was certain it struck our house. I didn't just think the building that I was in got struck by lightning. I thought I got struck by lightning. <laughs> <laughs> I was at my chiropractor because, as uh, people oh, know, my neck uh-huh. wasn't working for a few weeks. So I was trying to get that fixed. Have you ever gotten stim treatment where they put the like the two little like uh, not that I'm aware. Like, th- there's like these two little they they connect you to these things and then they shock you, mm. and it feels phenomenal. Okay, <laughs> like my muscles are like uh, tight, not because I'm muscular or anything, but but because they're they they hurt a lot and I'm in a lot of pain, but. They take these tight muscles and they move them around. It loosens them up. Okay. It's phenomenal. Okay. I, I'm surprised you've never experienced this. No. Uh, shows your lack of athletic- athleticism. Really? <laughs> I think it shows my prowess because I'm not injured. Yeah, because you're never injured. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Very much so. This is my truth-telling voice. Uh, so I was actually strapped to this stem treatment. Okay. 
while the lightning no storm way. is going on. And I swear to you, yeah, lightning struck not the building I was in. It struck the building next to me. Wow. And I like that's how I become a super like a super villain, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like I have electricity stuck to me while electricity is coming down from the oh sky. Oh my gosh! Like th- that's the this origin is the thing comic of, books of are made of, right? Yes. I was pretty scared there for a second because there was a jolt of energy that went. So like it, it's shocking you, but like very not much. Sure. And then now, are shocked- you accompanied? Is no. There, no, you're alone. Uh, yes. Okay. So they like they set it up. They put it on my on my shoulder. So I'm laying down like face down. And it's on like my the back of my shoulders. Okay. And they they uh, they walk out for ten minutes because they don't need to be there. And what are they gonna do? Watch me lay down for ten minutes. Okay. Know? Right. So, but there's a little bell in case anything happens. It's like here, come save my life, which almost happened. I've never had to use the bell before, but yeah. for a moment there, there was like an extra jolt of electricity, and it like grabbed my muscles, made them tighten, and and then I, I thought I was dead, but I wasn't. Wow. So then I just got over it and laid there and finished the rest of my treatment. Wow, that is really intense. But then I was driving home. Okay. And I was driving on on Highway Six here um, from College Station to Bryan. It's this huge open. Just if you're not from here, just think huge open Texas highway. Sure. Like for a lot of it, there's not much right off the highway. No. Um, I could see essentially 360 degrees. Yeah. Uh, almost. I mean, uh, almost in every direction. That's what 360 <laughs> degrees means. <laughs> Good job, Taylor. Uh, so I'm looking at lightning is striking like three, four times a second. Okay. All around me. It's like, pew, 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 like raining at this point or ra- just yeah. lightning? Raining. All, all the yeah, things. Yeah. Everything's happening. I'm going like 45 miles an hour on a highway that's like 70 miles an hour mm-hmm. speed limit. Mm-hmm. Hydroplaning. Uh, because like there's just water sitting there and like I didn't fish tail or anything, but I just felt my car rise up <laughs> and I just wasn't on the ground for a little while. And then I hit back down. And I was like, good, I'm not dead. This is the second time in 30 minutes that I, uh, I was wondering about that. Wow. I'm driving home. My wife calls me and says the power's out because lightning struck or something. You know, when, sure. when next, something happened, the power went out because there's this huge storm. She's like, can you stop and get pizza for the kids for dinner? Because it was almost almost dinner time. So I stop in, I get I order pizza, I stop on the way home, I pick it up. This is when I realize that I mentioned my busyness earlier. Like video games is how I de-stress. It's how like when things are going crazy, it's how I sit down and like play for a couple hours and I feel so much better. I'm relaxed. Like my mind's always going 8,000 miles an hour. I quit thinking about all that stuff. It's just mm-hmm. a good way to decompress and okay. to chill out. This was I forget what day this was, but it had been like 5 or 6 days since I really had time to play video games. The previous time that I had to play video games, I think I mentioned on last week's show, <laughs> because I went to play this game the day it came out. I'd been looking forward to playing it for two weeks, and Xbox Live was down. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Yes. I only bring it back up again for context. Yes. I couldn't play that day. Yes. Now I get home. I have all evening to do family stuff, eat dinner, play video games. Except. The power's out. <laughs> yes. So I can't play video games. So I'm sulking for myself, of course. While, you know, getting pizza. Very first world problems here. (laughs) (laughs) Driving home, my wife calls me again. And I'm thinking, what did you think I could, like I forgot to get the pizza? Like we just talked on the phone mm -hmm, 10 minutes ago. mm -hmm. She said, a tree fell on the house. And I say, what? (laughs) She goes, oh no, not our house. I'm like, why didn't you start with that? (laughs) (laughs) I love my wife, but uh, crisis scenarios. (laughs) She needs to pick her words more carefully. This is your lovely love letter from your husband, I don't know. Sam. I, I, I think that it's probably your fault somehow. It, absolutely. <laughs> you are brilliant. Uh, my neighbor's tree fell. Uh, and like, so 
I get home and I see like three trees had fallen completely into his driveway, wow. had nicked the house, like just missed the house. Like it messed up like his gutters, uh-huh. but like a six feet around, five feet around, or not around, like diameter tree, like a huge tree wow. just missed hitting their bedroom. And I get there, I get out, I'm all like dressed up for work. I go inside, change into athletic clothes to go help. And immediately I'm like, I'm a jerk. <laughs> I'm going to help these people. Yes. But I'm still a jerk because there I was 10 seconds earlier. I can't play video games today. Yes. And this person just lost all their trees in, their, in front of their house. Right. And like, I get over there. Young man around my age. So maybe old. I, d- depend, he's my age. <laughs> Decided did how, you know your next door neighbor? Yes. I did know. You did. I did know these two. They're, okay. they're our age. We live in an older neighborhood, older, older people, older mm-hmm. buildings, the young couple next to us. So okay. they're like the, the only neighbors that I really, really know. Yeah. Instead of friends. Okay. I, I walk over there. He tells, like he, you could tell that he's upset, but he's also like happy. Like he's still joyful. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, Taylor, I was driving. It, we live in a cul-de-sac. He said, I had turned left into our cul-de-sac. Our cul-de-sac's maybe 50, 50 yards long. It landed where he parks his truck. Oh, my goodness. He was 50 feet away. <sighs> he was pulling in and saw the three trees no. fall. And land- he's like, I, 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 I could have died. Because like, the huge trunk landed like where his truck sits. So it was just wow. it was this it was this crazy day of like I went from thinking I was going to become a supervillain <laughs> to uh, very excited that I was getting pizza <laughs> to very upset when I realized that it meant I couldn't play video games to then realizing there's much bigger problems yes. in the world and so we we went outside to help to help and here's what was interesting I came out to help the neighbors were there. There's another group of neighbors that we've never really interacted uh-huh. because Taylor isn't good at loving his real neighbors. We've talked about this before. Yeah. <laughs> and I had never met them. And we just, we worked on this tree together for an hour and a half, two hours. Um, so it was, it was cool to see. Everybody come together. Everybody come together, right? Yeah. At the same time, there were some other people on our street that did not come help. Some of them I'm going to give a pass. <laughs> because like I said, it's an elderly They're community. They're old, like, like, yeah. Uh, we would go help them if anything happened. We don't expect reciprocity there. Sure. There's another family that did not come help. They were outside and watching. Oh, interesting. <laughs> it was strange. The whole scenario was strange. Yeah. I have just told this long story. What do you think about all this? Because I'm well, still trying to figure it out. I just really like that you're loving your neighbor as though it's not a metaphor. Like real, actual neighbors. I mean, getting outside and getting your hands dirty together. I think that it's bonding, like suffering alongside someone else is really bonding, whether that's physical, like you were, I mean, that's probably, that's a lot of, that's hard work, right? Oh yeah. I mean, like the real hard work was the the owner of the house where the tree fell. He has a chainsaw in his arms for an hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes. I don't yeah. know if you've ever chainsawed anything, mm. but it uses muscles in your arms. You didn't know were there. Right. So it's like shaking and it's like everything's clenched all at the same time. Yeah. He must've been exhausted. And there we are, this guy I've never met. Like we're, have you ever tried, like, have you ever been around a downed tree? Like yeah, yeah, when you get down to like, mean... the tr- like the trunk, like a sliver, like the width of like from like, if I'm just standing up yes. and I just bend over to pick it up. It's like hundreds of yeah, pounds. It's yeah. so heavy. So like we had to get, we had to help each other. It was wild. Yeah. So I think just the physicality of that, I mean, I really, I, I put a lot of 
thought and time into like who I work out with. It's very bonding. And I, like I said earlier, it's like suffering alongside someone else. And so I think that there's well, a lot to be, to fair, be said. You work out by boxing. So you're making each other suffer by punching <laughs> each other in the face. <laughs> true. And it's true. Um, I did find out in boxing that I can't actually hit someone. Sadly, I learned that a couple of weeks ago. What are you, what are you talking about? That's well, I just box- punch a bag. I don't punch people. Why not? But then we went to go spar and I can't hit anyone. Why? I was so sad at myself. Oh, like you can't bring yourself to do it. I no, you I meant- can't do it. Oh. Yeah. No, uh, no, you're right. I can't no, bring no. myself to Here's do it. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to fix that problem for you. You're going to make me you're, hit you. You're going to buy me right a day pass. Right here, right now. You're gonna, no, you're going to buy me a day pass. Okay. I'm going to get into the boxing and equipment. And then. And you can just hit me. Then I'll take my gloves off. Because I know you want to. <laughs> so it'll be great. I'll, it's, it, it's me You're going to cure me. You're going to make me a real boxer. That's what's about to happen. I, I, I'm here to. I'm here to help. <laughs> okay, but listen. I do think that there's something to be said about working hard together. You know, you're you're like literally going all in with someone else to do this hard thing and it's bonding. So I think you and your neighbors will never be the same. We Thank you, not. Jesus, for the lightning and the downed trees. Uh. No, <laughs> too soon, too soon. But, you know, I do have to thank Jesus for this. This was ridiculous. I'll let you guess. Uh, when did the power come back on uh, that evening, Alice Sullivan? Oh, OK. Well, I'm trying to like decipher your mood right I'm, now I'm, to see if I'm, you got to play your video games or not. I'm going to say it came on right after you finished helping your neighbors. That's what I'm going to say. That's the God I serve. <laughs> Tell me I'm right. Tell me I'm right. You're right. Yes! <laughs> we finished. I love the Lord. We, we finished cutting up this tree, moving it all out to the, to the drive, like the, the end of the driveway so somebody can come, you know, the city can come pick it up or whatever. And then we're standing there, all of it, like we're just, we're, we look like tree. Like we're covered in trees. We look like tree. <laughs> we have just stuff all over us. And we're standing there and just kind of laughing about the whole thing. They're telling me about how like they had complained about somebody else's tree. So I was like, you brought this on yourself. And we're like joking about it at this point. Like it's your fault that the tree fell down for saying mean things the other day. And, and right then, the, like our, our outside light came on. And it actually took a minute. I, w- I was actually really impressed with myself. It took a few minutes for me to realize what that meant. <gasps> I know what this it's means. Like, I can be done here and go yeah, play video that's games. That's great. Um, so God's like, Taylor, I'm not holding out on you. Just go use your body and love your neighbor. I, th- Th- I think to be fair, I think even if the power was on, I think I would have still helped. because dis- You would have. D- d- I know dis- you, Taylor. Despite... What I may think about myself. I think I might actually be a good person deep, deep, deep down. And all it takes is to be a little shock therapy right before (laughs) I come over for it to work. So um, all of this is going on over the weekend. And I'm I'm reading Twitter because that's what I do. Uh, Marcel Lejeune, who uh, we all know, he is local here, but he's also uh, very popular on the old internet. Um, he, He shares a quote that is from C.S. Lewis. And that, that I very much like. And it made me, th- it, he shares like with the fire emojis. So like you said, like you understand millennial stuff. He's, he's getting down with the millennials with okay. the fire emojis. C.S. Lewis says this, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ to make them little Christs. Uh, if they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, and even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. Now that is a powerful statement. It's bold, isn't it? it it's very bold. What do you think about it? I like it. I like it. I mean, if here, if we cannot, I think that a lot of us can be really, um, we can think a lot of the cross. We can look at the cross. We can admire the cross, but we don't want anything to do with it. So I think that there's a self-emptying component to the love that we give that makes it meaningful. There's a connection there that you're missing, Miss Sullivan. What? 
We're talking about a tree. We're talking about another tree. <laughs> Fire emojis. What? The, the cross. Connect was, the, the dot. The, the, cro- for the me. cross was a tree. Oh. I'm sure, there's, there's some kind of <laughs> connection that you can make here. I'm trying to help you, Miss Preacher Woman. <laughs> I need all the help I can get right now. No, but I do. You know, I, I like it. I think that it's it's easy to to talk about Jesus, to know Jesus, to know the facts and figures of His life. It's another thing to live out His way. And his way is just so sacrificial. So I think that there's a lot to be said for, you know, the read the end of it again. The the hot part, Uh, the fire part, all all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, missions, sermons, and even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time if we're not being those little Christ. Yeah. If this isn't self-sacrificial, if this isn't costing you something, if you're not emptying yourself out in one way or another, what does it mean? I don't know. But I'm, I should be proud of myself because I think being covered in tree was the, was the right move for me that day. Agreed. Uh, to finish up this conversation, we have to mention another tree. There was a scripture that was read last week all around while this is happening um, about wooden beams. You've heard this story. It's a very popular story. Oh, um, gosh, know, it's taking me a minute right now. Sorry. Yes, I'm with don't, you now. Don't, don't point out the speck in your brother's eye yeah. if you have a wooden beam in yours. This is another one of those scripture stories that I love the message. Okay. It's, it's phenomenal. I've heard this many times in my mm-hmm. life, but I'm just thinking about scripture differently these days and uh, just kind of taking it at fa- like trying to look at it in a different way. And these different ways are making me see things that I never <laughs> saw before. So why, why did people have wooden beams in their eyes? I mean, like, dude, <laughs> you've got something in your eye. Like, like alert, alert. <laughs> if I had a branch coming out of my eye, would you let me finish my sentence of like, hey, you have something in your eye. There's a little speck there. You're like, This isn't spinach in your teeth, people. <laughs> right. This is a beam in your eye. Yeah, exactly. We've so, got problems. This is our this is our segment brought to you by wooden beams. Um, I and think trees. that Jesus is like trying to shake his people awake so he can like use really startling images like trees coming out of eyes. Uh, if your eye causes you to to <laughs> sin, you should stick a branch in it. Uh, stick a fork in me. I'm done. Well, that is our wooden beam segment because that was phenomenal. Uh, we'll be right back with Catherine Whitaker. See what she thinks about trees. Don't go anywhere. Allison, you have to explain something to me. What? You, like, speak for a living. You're on my podcast. You do your podcast. And yet, when we do these commercials, you're, like, super, like, you don't want to do them. I don't, I don't want to do them. Why not? You spring them on me. I like to be prepared. Like, I'm a perfectionist, Taylor. You- and you just, you like all this improvisational stuff. I'm not a naturally funny person, okay? Well, that's what Patreon is for. Patreon.com slash Fourth Catholic. It's all the content, like in the normal show, where you're not prepared. And right, where yes. It's where saying. you put all of my bloopers. And you have a lot. I know! <laughs> Patreon.com slash Fourth Catholic. You can help support the show. You also get behind-the-scenes content from every episode. Bloopers, bonus content, like behind-the-scenes with our guests, our co-hosts, and Allison being angry at me. Yes. Go Lots of eye-rolling. You can't hear that, but whatever. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Forte When I do it, you can. <laughs> Welcome back to Forte Catholic. This is still your host, Taylor Stroll, with the lovely, the ineffable Allison Sullivan. I didn't know if you were going to say me. 
Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> My imaginary friend is here. Well, you started throwing out those adjectives, and I was like, I don't know. I don't know who he's talking about. Well, maybe we'll get to some more adjectives later, but I'd like to transfer right now into a noun. Um, a fantastic noun who I have heard on your show. And I have heard on some other great podcasts, yes. and I know her from the internet. Her name is Catherine Whitaker, and she is on the line with us right now. Catherine, how are you this evening? I'm good. How are y'all? Oh, I am just phenomenal. So you are currently... I'm, I'm very jealous of where you are right now. Why don't you tell everybody where you are based currently? So I'm currently in New Orleans. I am... I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm mad I at you. I, I, should be, I should be eating a beignet to really make that. Yes. Make, make, make you feel super guilty. Make it legit. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually just talking to somebody about uh, New Orleans earlier this afternoon, uh, where like the best restaurant, the best sandwich that you can get in New Orleans is actually in the back of a convenience store. It sounds really strange, but there's this like hidden restaurant in the back of this convenience store that like only the local people know. Right. And I'm not a local person, but my mom and all of her sisters went to school in New Orleans, so they know the local places. It's away from everybody, and it sounds very strange. Yeah, I think I need to be the judge of that. Well, I'm skeptical. Let's go meet Catherine in New Orleans. Let's, let's pause the Here we go. <laughs> and drive over to New Orleans and go pick it up in person. But Catherine, I've I've started to see you over the internet. I heard you recently on Allison's podcast, Center Saint Sister. Uh, so people should go listen to that conversation there, especially if you're a woman. But I'm not a woman, and I listen <laughs> religiously, and, and I mean that in both senses of the term. Uh, so you should all go listen to that. Um, I, the first time that I that I heard of you was from our shared friend Edmund Mitchell when you went on his show, uh, um, very yeah. creatively called the show. It's very strange. Uh, but, but but you knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And the thing that I Thank liked you. the most about you, like you, you're doing great things for the church. You have this beautiful faith. You have this beautiful family. The thing that I enjoy the most about you is how you say sweet tea. I have some in front of <laughs> me, and I would like you to say what I am holding in my hand. Sweet tea. Sweet tea. I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, so why, why don't you explain to the people uh, who you are? You just wrote this book. You are currently in New Orleans for this book tour. Uh, who are you and what do you do? So I grew up in the panhandle of Texas, so the very top part, as a Protestant, and then went to Texas A&M and met a really cute boy in uniform and decided that Catholicism didn't look so bad. So, <laughs> literally. Uh, literally, yeah. It looked really great. Uh, so we have six kids, and we, our fifth child was born premature. And so I started blogging maybe about a year or so before he was born. And then when Luke was born... I really started kind of pouring my, my heart out into the internet about how I was feeling about that and what that looked like. And then God just kind of kept opening some doors. And I found over the course of all these years, he'll be 10 actually soon, is that that was sort of my, the way that I prayed to God was writing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hoping that through the book, but obviously just the things that I share with people that they resonate with them, that it finds a way to work its way into their story and that they can see God at work there. And, um, and then also the privilege, I have a freelance graphic design business. So I work with Catholic campus ministry programs around the country. So I love being a part of evangelization of the Catholic church because I think it's a beautiful faith and I love sharing it. You and your husband are this one-two punch. I actually knew your husband before I met you uh, for his work no here in the diocese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually see him on the uh, Diocese of Austin, Twitter pretty often, or not Twitter, Instagram. And uh, uh, because of, 
being so close to St. Mary's Catholic Center here, I've seen him when he's come into town here, seen him around di- diocesan events. So y'all seem to be a pretty great one-two punch. He's out here doing the development stuff. You're out here making things look good, and uh, apparently you think he looks good. I, I can't weigh in on that, um, and I don't think it would be appropriate if Allison did either. But, but I am going to hand this conversation over to Allison because you two are friends. Allison's been doing a great job finding yes. phenomenal people like yourself uh, to come on to the show. Uh, so you ladies have fun. <laughs> so, Catherine, you and I got to work together um, at a conference, and there's just nothing like loving your coworkers, is there not? <laughs> and that was a really great place to do it. It was really, really special. I know that we've oohed and awed over it for the last couple of months, and I just I hope we get to do it again or any chance to share space together and pray together. It felt like it affected eternity, you know. Like I I keep saying that. As I, we were saying our goodbyes, like, I want my mansion to be next to yours. So, <laughs> Do you mean in heaven it or was... real life? Because either <laughs> may be a possibility. Both. Let's do both. Let's do both. Okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, one thing that has struck me about the conversations that you and I have had is that you seem really comfortable with the idea that sadness is not a sin. And often weeping is the godly response. So what are some things that help you with living out your circumstances as you're actually experiencing them, maybe not as you're maybe air quotes supposed to be? What keeps you authentic? <laughs> My kids. They, are, <laughs> um, <laughs> they can sniff out a liar faster than anyone right? in the house. Yeah. Yeah. They keep you, um, they're sanctifying in all the best of ways. You know, I think when we had Luke, uh, and so he was our kid who was born premature, we had to put one foot in front of the other, but we also recognized the years prior to that, we'd spent a lot of time building our community, our faith community, people who supported it and loved us. And when that earthquake happened in our life, I think it was an opportunity for us to tap into the people that could carry us on the days that we couldn't do it ourselves. And I think that was really the, the biggest lesson of Luke is that I recognized that I couldn't do everything on my own. Absolutely. So yeah. I think all of us have days that we're just like, and we're done. And I just needed people to be there when I couldn't do it anymore. And the beauty of that is that when it's been their turn to be done, I'm there to help. And and I think that was only a gift that Luke gave us. And I'm grateful that, that I think through his experience, I learned that it's okay to experience all those emotions, sadness, yeah. happiness, frustration, you know, bewilderment, all those things. It's all okay. Yeah. There, there's no feeling that's off limits because those are your feelings. And then you have to talk to God and say, now what? What are we going to do now? And he did. We figured it out. Yeah. Um, the God of the universe can handle all of our emotions. That's just fine. <laughs> He's, he can handle it. I mean, even though my husband can't always handle my emotions, God's like, I got this. Don't you worry. I've joked before in the kindest of ways. I adore my husband. I'm like, you are an excellent husband, but you sure would be a crappy God. <laughs> you know, <That's> like, <laughs> there are limitations here. Um, but, you know, I... What I hear you saying, you know, one thing that I was thinking as you were talking is that, you know, you were able to receive, but it was because you were able to be vulnerable and be authentic and ask for help. I think a lot of times as women, we can think that loving means giving, but what love actually is, is an exchange. And the exchange requires a giver and a receiver. So you just opened yourself up to be able to receive. And then that's where all the beauty happens is in the middle. And I'd say, Allison, that took me time to be vulnerable because at first I thought, no, no, no. I got this, appreciate sure. everyone's help, but I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, like when, when someone says, how are you? And they're fine. You're like, that's a lie. But I wanted people, I didn't want people to think I was weak. I didn't want them to think I could handle it. 
And finally, you just hit a breaking point. You're like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I felt so guilty for asking for help. I felt guilty for accepting help. But then a crazy thing happened is when we accepted the help, it was just this beautiful avalanche and overflowing cup of grace that I was not expecting to feel um, or to experience. And it was transformative. Mm. You know, I I feel like a lot of times it's loss that paves the way to that greater joy. It's like you were being summoned on what was a deeper journey. And it seems bad. Nobody wants to take the way down on the way up. I mean, you know, we see failing as as loss. We see loss as terrible, you know, when really it's a, a potential invitation to more, more, more. And that what you're talking about is a perfect example of that. Always an invitation. I mean, I definitely look at what happened with Luke as God's invitation to us to have finally have a real relationship, right. that we were going to have a grown-up adult relationship, and we were going to finally recognize that he was the one in control. If we could just relinquish the reins and give them to him, that our life would be more fruitful. It was going to be hard, and it was going to be difficult, but we were also going to be buoyed and lifted up by a tremendous amount of grace and mercy. That's so good, because our culture is always teaching us to to attain and ascend and and climb and achieve. And so consequently, none of us really desire this downward path to growth. You know, no one's out there seeking imperfection. But Jesus, that's why he has to keep telling us over and over yeah. and over again that the last will be first. And so our yeah. job is to abandon our egos, right? It's, you know, what you were saying about, no, I've got this, you know. And so the part of us that loves the status quo, the part of us that loves how perfection looks, even when it's not working, <laughs> <laughs> perfection is such a it's such a tricky thing because I've, at least I've always felt like if I could be perfect enough in faith if I could be perfect enough in motherhood if I could be perfect enough in my marriage that maybe loss and maybe hardship wouldn't be so hard it wouldn't be so difficult right. and so I think that's such a I don't know I think that's really difficult it was a difficult emotion to kind of work myself through is to get past the perfection to realize that really God didn't really care how organized my spice rack was. Yeah. That took me a little while to get Your there. Your spice rack. And, Gosh, I love um, you. <laughs> it's an so alphabetical great. order too, but it's fine. <laughs> I mean, I'm totally fine. Will you come over? You know, but our, our rational mind, our rational mind can't process suffering. And so we avoid it or deny it or blame somebody else for it, you know, but really it's the greatest yeah. spiritual teacher of all, is it not? Absolutely. Yeah. Amen from the back. <laughs> Amen from the back. That's where I sit at church. So you, you, you wrote a book about this, and I think it's it's the most interesting title because you're dealing with all of these very real things. But it says uh, the title of your book: "Live Big, Love Bigger." Getting real with barbecue, sweet tea, and a whole lot of Jesus. Like I, I love that so much because this is you're talking about real life stuff, like the difficult things, but also like this is this is just how we all live life. This is how we experience. Um, th this is how we live the human experience. Like we have great emotions, we have bad em or like, not bad emotions, but negative emotions. They get, and we from all these spectrums, and yet there's still the barbecue, the sweet tea, and Jesus is there through all of it. So I want people to go check out the book. But at the same time, um, I, one of the things that you have done very well is you are living your Catholic faith publicly. The beautiful parts, the, the parts that are more difficult. Um, and you're doing that in a way that is inviting, that is welcoming, uh, when so many Catholics are like, you know what, I'm just going to be weird now. Like, I'm going to be weird <laughs> about everything that I do. I'm going to be weird about how I talk, like what I, what I focus on in the faith. I'm going to be weird about my liturgical preferences. I'm going to be weird about <laughs> what I say on the internet. But you, 
are, are, are a normal, regular, functioning human being. And I want, I want you to share with people how you do that. How, do you, how are you able to approach the good, the bad, the ugly um, in your faith and then be able to share essentially your life with people? Well, for one, I'm a really bad liar. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm the daughter of an army man and a school teacher, so telling the truth was a big part of growing up in our house. You know, Taylor, I think that we look at our faith as and like that we're on a mission to convert the world. And had that been the case of the people that I had met when I was Protestant who were Catholic, I would have never become Catholic. Hmm. But God put these really great people in my life who were living these beautiful, normal lives. And we would talk about Jesus, but then we would also talk about college football. Hmm. And I think I needed people... I mean, that, that's what brought me to the faith, where people that didn't judge me and say, well, you know, priests can't be women or, you know, abortion is wrong. Like, instead of just laying it all out there and telling me all, this, all the ways in which I was doing it wrong and the thoughts that I had that, that there was a greater truth ahead, they just were my friends. We had this saying, I went on a Curcia weekend, and I think it really encompasses kind of my life motto is make a friend, be a friend, bring a friend to Christ. And I think I just try to meet people where they are. Because when we try to meet people where they think that they're sh- that they should be, then we become preachy. And how can they possibly be our friend? But when you meet people where they are and you talk about, okay, so I get that you're struggling with this. You know what? I used to struggle with that too. And then you know maybe you'll share how you got there, or maybe you won't. Maybe you'll just go grab a burger and a beer, and you'll talk about it later. But I think that when you become approachable and you're yourself, people can see crossed in you. I, nobody wants to be preached at. People want to be loved where they are. And then we lovingly lead them towards Christ. And you can't do that if you're not being who you who you who God meant you to be. If you're not authentic, people will sniff you out. So I just think it comes down to me being a bad liar. <laughs> I just tried to be myself. So, so good. What's so interesting? About, I was thinking about that a lot this weekend because I uh, was in the Austin area and I was talking about uh, what it means to share our faith and to proclaim our faith. And like as I was preparing for that for that session that I was giving, I was thinking about like the most. Uh, impactful conversations that I have had um, to actually share the gospel with people. And it has been where I was just a normal human being. I was, you know, I, I was joyful. I, th- like people could tell that I was a practicing Catholic, whether they knew or not. They were like, okay, I'm, I'm just a person that people enjoyed being around at least most of the time. Um, but like, it was those friendships that I built with people uh, that eventually they were like, I want to talk to you about this. It was something more serious in their life, something going on, or they actually literally asked about my faith and I was able to share them and they were open to it. And I see so often um, with people in conversations, but also like on the internet, it's like people that like, you want to get to the end result. The end result is it'd be great if everybody was a practicing Catholic and agreed with everything that the church taught. But the the method of going about that is often so uh, wrong in the sense that it is trying to be fast. It's like if I just throw all the Catholic facts at them and they and they will assent to these, then they will be a good practicing Catholic. But actually in throwing these punches, you're actually landing the punches and you're hitting people. <laughs> like No one wants to yeah. be a part of something where they're being punched in the face yeah, with well. all of these things. You disagree here. You disagree here. You disagree here. It's like let's be regular people, have real relationships and no, with and, people. And nobody, and, and nobody wants to be shamed, Taylor. Right. People don't want – I mean, we live in a culture where we think that it's okay to do that and that it's okay to just to live in a world that's black and white, when in reality, most of us live in the world of gray. Mm-hmm. And we try to tell people this is the way, the truth, and the life, and if you don't believe it, you're going to hell. Well, that's not going to convert anybody. And that's not how Jesus did it either. 
he certainly didn't hang out with all the affluent people around the world. He hung out with the people that nobody else wanted to hang out with. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to always go back to scripture and think, you know, if he asked and he called me to be a disciple, and I believe that he calls everyone to be a disciple for Christ in a different way. If you have a specific purpose in life, then you have to live out what he believes your mission is to be. And his job is to bring people to him, not your mm-hmm. job. Your job is mm-hmm. to be you and to show show people this is how he's working in my life and then this, this is what he's doing. But the ultimate conversion won't come from you because we're not God. Amen. And that, that was my TED Talk. But I mean, I <laughs> feel very passionately about that. Um, that's important to me. It's very important that we love people where they are. Catherine, I feel like one thing that you are so good at that I've admired is that you have really great farsightedness. It's so easy to get caught up with the war right in front of our face, especially when it comes to ministering, sistering, wifing, mothering, what have you. What are some things that help you keep like end game in sight? Just long game, farsightedness, you know, um, you've kind of got your eye on the prize. What are things that help you do that? Um, I think it's probably twofold. One is I have an amazing husband, and I mean that in every sense of the word. He grew up Catholic. He was well catechized, sort of didn't really go to church in college, and then came back after we got married. Scott is just really centered. He doesn't get ruffled very often. I think he's got this good strategic mind, and I think that's starting to wear off on me because I tend to be a little bit more passionate than he does. Um, We'll call it passionate. He may use a different word, but I think that he's just a, a real balancing uh, person in my life. And I've seen how that kind of attitude can really benefit you in a lot of ways. And then I think growing up, I think growing up of diff- in, different, in a different faith background, even though it was the same Jesus, I guess my interpretation of people get all stressed out or worried about big things or, or that what they perceive to be big things, but they're really small things. I think it was part growing up Protestant and seeing the bigger picture of Christianity hmm. and then That's having cool. a preemie. Like I think when yeah. you meet death and, and you're that close to it, mm-hmm. it sort of makes some of the things that people complain and gripe about. You're yeah. like, um, actually that's not as big of a deal as you think it is. Yeah. And ha- having older children, I think now we have the perspective now with our younger ones of saying, well, we think that's a big deal right now, but then now, now I know 18 years into motherhood, whether or not they take ballet at five is really not that big of a deal. Right, right. Perspective. So it, just took time. it took it took life experience and time. And I think that if you had spoken to me fifteen years ago, it'd be a different Catherine. And I <laughs> think that's a good thing. I think our lives are meant to be about growth and acceptance and understanding of who we are and who God me- means for us to be. And so that was a long answer to a really short no, question. But no, but those are a few things I think that help. Well, that's good. I, I appreciate you sharing. I appreciate your time today. You are living life well. Uh, and you shared that in your book, Live Big, Love Bigger, Getting Real with Barbecue, Sweet Tea, and a Whole Lot of Jesus. Catherine Whitaker, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Taylor. Absolutely. Guys, we will be right back for our final segment of the day. Don't go anywhere. Allison, if I say turn it to 11, do you know what movie I'm referencing? No. I think it's Pulp Fiction. I'm not quite sure. I've never seen it. But it's a thing that people say. And that's the reason why I decided that uh, ForteCatholic.com slash beard, the discount is 11%. Not 10. Everybody else's is 10. I have the highest percentage off of everybody. Because eleven, because I'm smart. <laughs> and I was like, smart. You are were, smart. That's all I ever wanted. We could stop recording. I just wanted that recorded somewhere. Fortogether.com/slash/beard. You can get eleven percent off your next order. I just ordered my new order of of Catholic Balm. 
for my beard because I needed more and I just got it like trimmed down and I wanted it to continue to look pretty and, and to smell good so my wife will still love me. So if you too want your wife to still love you or if you're a woman and want to smell nice as well. Yeah, no, like, this is for like intentional beards, not accidental ones. No, it's for all beards. All <laughs> are welcome. All are welcome. All are welcome on this face. Okay, I had to finish that. I had the joke and it kept going. Uh, but if you're a woman like yourself, you can you can get lip balm. You can get like hand lotion. You too can smell like a pretty person. I do have the occasional stray hair. It'll work. It'll work <laughs> I, on your arm. I don't know what we're talking about. No, this that's the accidental beard oh, the where accidental you're like, beard. husband, tell me these oh. things. Oh, well, I'm not your husband, but I'll be sure to tell you <laughs> if I ever see it. ForteCatholic.com/slash/beard. TMI. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. I am Taylor Schroll, joined here by Allison Sullivan, who I complimented you a few months ago uh, when you came into the podcast. Like when you first started coming on the show, yeah. Like you wrote a book, yeah. And then you read it was, that book like, it was, for all of your responses. It was literally thirteen pages typed. <laughs> front and back and then i do you remember my compliment of you yeah i was like you're, you're doing great you're just going with the flow now yeah. you're not bringing books in anymore yeah and then as the music is playing before this segment you're writing notes you have like arrows pointed things are circled. taylor sometimes you inspire me and i make notes while we're talking of things that i want to say later uh, 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 so I don't really inspire you. You just want to respond to me. If you, if I really inspired same, you, you'd be same. like, this, this is my prayer journal. I'm going to pray with this <laughs> later. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I had a conversation with a guy. Tell me about over it. The, over this past week. I will. I'd like that's, to know. That's, 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 this, that's what we do on the radio. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'm listening and alert. That's what I'm telling you. Are you? But you're like still writing notes. So No, I'm I, circling. That's different. <laughs> Very different. I don't need any brain. My power attention to is not divided. I'm I'm hanging on your every word. I'm at the edge of my seat, as it were. Thank Look, you. edge. I, I am looking at you. I'm the only person that can see you, and you're sitting in the back of your chair. No, it's on the right. edge. Okay. It's my word against yours. I'm on the edge of glory, <laughs> and I'm hanging by a moment with you. Um, so I was having this conversation with this guy, and he said something very profound. We're talking about like kind of a controversial subject within okay. the church that he's okay. struggling with, blah, blah, blah. Long story. We don't need to get into it. But uh, he, sa- he pointed something out to me um, in referencing the Old Testament, and it actually applies to, I think, a lot of modern figures. Okay. Uh, he said that the prophets the prophets weren't canon until after their time. Mm. And I was like I was blown away by this cuz I had never really thought about it. Yeah. Uh, you think about like the Old Testament prophets, they were despised by their people. Sure. Like uh, Moses, uh, the people grumbled against him. He leaves for 14 minutes and they make a golden calf, you know, like uh Isaiah, Jeremiah, like these guys they're all called, hey, you want to be a prophet? And they, they just take a moment and they think of all the other prophets before them. And they're like, like I'm, no, I'm good. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> that doesn't sound fun at all. But they were all right. <laughs> like yeah. They all did great things uh, for, for God and for his people and, and leading those people. And a lot of times uh, those people didn't want to be led. Sure. But it was what was good for them. Right. So these prophets were not welcome at their time. Um, but now we look back at them and they're like, Oh, they were so yeah. ahead of their time. They sure. said great things. They were bold. They were courageous. Uh, and it really kind of kind of hit me for a few reasons. But I want to hear your uh, initial reaction. Well, I guess it. the first thing, like, 
the first thing that I think of, well, prophets are called to awkward in between places. You know, they're they're not it's not pastoral. Like they're not nurturing these people around them. They're delivering hard messages. So any when I hear the word prophet, I was actually as you were talking, I was I was thinking about how prophets aren't welcome in their own town. And I think that that goes, I mean, that's closely related to, to what you're talking about, but you know, I think that a lot of times familiarity can breed either pride or indifference. And so if we are, when we think about prophets not being welcome in their own town, if we think about the familiarity that we have with them, it's like, no, you know, I, I grew up with you and I saw that perm. I saw that acne. I heard that voice crack, you know, and now I watch you like get your paper every morning, except no one does that anymore. But you know what I mean? Um, So that familiarity can breed indifference and pride. You know, even the other night, last night or the other night, I was we were going through the children's Bible with my my youngest. And so there's you know, I really like the lion's den. And so I want to read that one to her. And she's like, no, I know that one. And it's like, how many times do we dismiss that indifference? You know, it's like, no, you think you know that. You think you got your head all the way around that. And so I think it it can rob us of, you know, when someone says the spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's like, well, is it? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure. I think he gave you a half blessing. Um, (laughs) You only have some of Jesus. But I I think you bring up a a few good points. And let's like work backwards through a couple of them. I think the familiarity thing. Um, we've talked about that on the show before, where it's like a lot of us get like that, especially those of us who are very active in our faith, sure. e- either in ministry or like super prayerful. Um, so I'm one of those two things. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, it's like, well, you can hear Jesus is the lover of your soul. And it's like, does that is that doing anything to your soul? Because if it's not, it's probably because you're too familiar with it. So familiarity can suck the spiritual power out of things. Right. And it's, if you're around it all the time. It's one of those things. It's like, OK, so like in parenting, you can tell your kids all the time, hey, take out the trash. Hey, take out the trash. Hey, take out the trash. And they could come to you and say, "We've heard you say that a lot." And you could like, the, but the big thing that you would come back as a parent and said, "Why am I repeating myself? The trash is still in the trash can inside the house. It hasn't been put into action yet." And we get like that yeah. so often. With it's like, oh, I've the most powerful verse in the scriptures. Most most people agree. It's probably the most popular verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have Look at these words just life. bouncing off me right now. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, terrible. Almost everybody listening just tuned out when I started saying that. And uh, the other 12% thought about Tim Tebow and now they're thinking about football. Oh, gosh. Um, like, <laughs> it's, we, we hear these things like, that is radical. God loved the world so much that he sent his son, he sent himself to die for us. We get that. Oh, yeah, Jesus is the lover of my soul. God loves me. And it's mm-hmm. like, we, we've heard that so many times. And yet, we haven't let ourselves really hear it in a long time. We get into situations like this often where it's like, I don't feel like God loves me in the midst of my sin. I don't feel like God loves me uh, because my life isn't going well. And we forget those basic things that we probably have heard thousands of times, but it's not doing anything for us anymore. I have a question for you. What do you think about this? So in ministry and thinking about um, how much I get asked to work other places— do you think, is there a possibility that we are different in other places? Because maybe we are less attached to how welcomed we are or how accepted we are because it's absolutely not personal. 
It's like, we don't care if we're accepted because I'm just here to deliver a hard message and I'm not necessarily trying to comfort or nurture you. It's not pastoral. It's just, I'm just here to kind of drop this truth bomb and then peace out. So maybe it makes us different too. Maybe for you. For me, I'm a dope wherever I go. So it doesn't change all that much. No, but I, I'm, I'm kidding. But I think, I think you're right. I think when, when, you, when we get brought in to speak in other places, um, the thing that I feel is I feel completely free uh-huh. to be myself. Yeah. Because a lot of times, like, I don't do anything, like, purposely to ruin a relationship or to root like I, I I want to be invited back. But in a lot of ministry scenarios, you're and, and a lot of times you're not gonna be invited back, especially for like conferences and stuff. They're like right. you're the person this year and then we're, they yeah. always want to fresh. It's a rotation. Face. Okay. Fine. Um but I feel completely free to be myself mm-hmm. and to kind of be unleashed mm-hmm. because I am the person that's gonna yeah. be brought in. And if it was great, sweet. And most of the time it is. It's like yeah. that that went fantastic. Yeah. But there have been times where people don't like me. Well guess what? You're never going to see me again. It's fine. Like, you'll, you'll be okay. Your life will be fine. You didn't like me. Most of the other people did. Like, we'll all be okay. I'm convinced that in ministry in particular, when people are not dazzled by you, it's probably like by design. I mean, it's... It's, it's their fault because they should be. <laughs> <laughs> but it keeps our feet on the ground, which is right where they should be, right? And, you know, I don't know why Jesus needed his feet on the ground. He wasn't accepted in his hometown either, except that he needed to save us and all, but... Yeah. Yeah. So I think the other part that you, that you bring up uh, is the familiarity with a prophet or a, or or a leader within faith or a minister mm-hmm. or a speaker mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, a lot of times, I've I've learned this over the course of the of years working in ministry and working alongside a lot of people that I looked up to from when I was a kid yes. or a young adult, and in most cases. I get to meet them, and I and I and I was I was right. Oh, in okay. A sense. Like they're phenomenal people. Okay. But there's also this other piece where I thought they were perfect. Sure. Right. Like they they come in, yeah. they gave a great talk. I gave my life yeah. to Christ because of this talk yeah. when I was in junior high. Yeah. And now, like, I'm friends with some of these people. Yeah, you're a and person. I've, I've done events with some of these people, mm-hmm. and uh, there are some who are. A, a few that are that are jerks and they're not good people and uh, they shouldn't be welcome in anyone's hometown. But they're <laughs> like the overwhelming majority, ninety five percent of people. I meet them and like I think when I was younger, it used to bother me more because I was like, "Oh, you're not, yeah, the perfect saint I thought you were." Mm-hmm. But now it's like you're you're a normal human That's being. Actually, refreshing. That's yeah. encouraging somehow. Like it, it makes me feel better because I know I know. More than I know anybody else, I know that I am imperfect and I'm messed up yeah. because I live with me. I'm I'm always with me, right? And I'm not always with these people. And if we only see the good and the beautiful of what somebody does on a stage or what they do on their YouTube channel or their podcast or whatever, um, we're missing the real. We're missing uh, people going to get their you know uh, their paper off the side of the road. I was looking for that bad example you used earlier. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm gonna reuse it though. Exactly. Yeah, it was that bad. It, yeah, um, <laughs> I couldn't just leave it there. People would have thought bad of you. But if I turn and make it a bad joke against you and you laugh, it's redeemed. Sacrificial lamb that you are. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I just think that that's a, that is interesting, and that's like the prophets not welcome in their hometown. It's like people don't like, or don't often like accept the what's very familiar, or accept people as imperfect if they're going to be leaders. But like. Everyone who is a leader, everyone who is a person yeah. is imperfect. Uh, so I think that's an interesting thing that you bring up. Yeah. Well, also, when we insist on perfection, I feel like we kind of pick up worse problems anyway. So it's best to just say, you know what? 
I'm going to offer my yeses one step at a time. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit into every single encounter and be led around by the wrist by the Holy Spirit with lots of yeses, and then just bring God along as I answer that call. Again, a difference between you and I. The Holy Spirit is kindly leading you along with the wrist. He's just dragging me, kicking and screaming (laughs) from my ear like a strange ant. (laughs) No one's ever. No one. I don't think anybody. I've got it pictured. Actually, yeah. I don't like. Someone will have to tell me if you have ever heard someone compare the Holy Spirit to a strange ant. Please let me know. I'd love to know that I wasn't. I mean, I did. I did initially have the insect in mind, not the. Oh, you think like not your mom's sister, but Ant- now I got it. We're good. Ant Man's <laughs> friends are are dragging me along. That's not what's happening. I'm just saying. The Holy Spirit isn't a dove. I it caught is a, up. Okay, it is a red ant. The Holy Spirit is stinging me. This is these are strange connections that you're. This making. is going nowhere. Well, neither is my career. But uh, uh, there's there's this quote from a, from a good friend of mine, Chris Bartlett. I spent some time with him uh, this weekend. I was I was speaking at his youth group. He's a phenomenal guy. He has this this podcast called Ministry Leaders Anonymous that uh, I actually get to uh, help with. I, I edit their podcast. It's phenomenal. Oh, good. Um, he said something in his last episode. Um, in the stench of the tomb, you sometimes forget the glory of the resurrection. And mm. it's like, boom, like that is, you know, we mm. need the fire emojis back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that plays to both things that we've been talking about here over the last few minutes. It's like both with ourself, like realize like we're, when we're in this, when we feel like we're in the stench of the tomb, when things aren't going well in our life, we forget that the resurrection has happened. Yeah. Um, but also at the same time, it's like we forget that all of our lives are messy because we're all like we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. We're all in the stench of the tomb. Yeah. But yet we're all redeemed by the resurrection. Yeah. Um, and living in the resurrection, not in the tomb. Like let's go, let's go out, let's get out of the tomb because I don't belong there. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's really good. <laughs> You're good. Thanks. Lord, you are good and your mercy good. endures forever. All right. Um, we're gonna wrap up today's show, but I do have to share something with you. What? I had a bad dream last night. Really, and it made me think of uh, my good friend Pete Holmes. I like I've had this in my notes for the, la- the for the show for the last three or four weeks, yeah. and I couldn't find a topic for it to match up. Okay, so we're just gonna end it, but I do have to say it. Okay, it's it's this is just your fascinating little nugget from okay. Taylor before okay. before we leave for the week. Uh, a nightmare <laughs> is just you scaring you. Mm. Everything in your nightmare you created. You yeah. So if you're you know you're you're scared, you're in your nightmare, you're walking up to a door, you're not sure what's on the other side, you put whatever is on the other side of the door. You there. just came up with that your own <laughs> self. So you are scaring you. And that like Pete Holmes said that a month ago, and it is blowing my mind. And it's I, a fascinating I, thought. And you know what? I think I am gonna make it fit. Because if we are in the stench of this tomb. Mm-hmm. And we are we are creating our own nightmare. You see what I'm doing here? I've been in youth ministry for quite <laughs> oh, some gosh. time. Uh, it's just you scaring you. Like, I don't know if the I joy this. of the resurrection. Well, you don't have to because it's my show. <laughs> and you know what? You're not welcome here for another month. I think I would have ended um, it like five minutes ago. Well, we're going to end it right now because that's what I want to do. Allison <laughs> Sullivan, you are a great person. Bye, I Taylor. You, and I will see you in a month. And everybody else will see me next week. See ya. All right, it's our last one, Allison. You don't have to be stressed out anymore. No, I'm sweating. Literal sweat in my literal armpit. Well, I've I've got nothing to help you out there, but uh, are your your feet sweating? No, what? Ah. 
No. Well, it, it, <laughs> actually, I, I just checked. Yes. They are. Yes. Are you lying now? Because you said that they were. No. No. Come here. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, I don't want to. I never want to touch your feet or socks. But I, I can buy you some new ones. I'll touch those before I give them to you. ForteCatholic.com/slash/socks. I can get you some sock religious socks featuring Jesus. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Maybe when you said you weren't good at these commercials, you were right. Uh, I should have listened to you. Some uh, totally holy footwear. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to go punch myself into that wall over there. That didn't make any sense. Uh, but oh, my gosh. Great Saints, the Jesus, who's my favorite Jewish Catholic. Uh, you can get all these socks to make yourself look good and feel holy. You can be reminded to pray whenever you look at your sweaty toes <laughs> with the stray hairs on them. ForteCatholic.com slash socks.